The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Get healthy and help animals. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. I have tennis elbow. Well, in my case, it's aerial yoga and too much typing elbow. So I'm seeing an acupuncturist who remembered from last time I saw him not to tell me to eat meat for my spleen chi. But when I read the label on the turmeric capsules he gave me, I said, sorry, gelatin, slaughterhouse byproduct. Now, I don't know if he was thinking, these vegans, everything's a problem. But I was thinking, one day, slaughterhouse byproducts won't be a problem because there won't be any slaughterhouses. And to that vision... This program is dedicated. I'm Victoria Moran, your host for Main Street Vegan. Thanks so much for spending this time with us. Do check out our website, MainStreetVegan.net, where the blog this week is Vegan Hockey from Matt Cunningham, a longtime USA hockey coach and a certified vegan lifestyle coach, too. And after our break today, we will chat with the gorgeously green Sophie Uliano. And right now, it is my pleasure to introduce someone I greatly admire, Holly Scotus of Yoga is Vegan. Holly is also a Main Street Vegan Academy certified vegan lifestyle coach and educator. She's a 500-hour registered yoga teacher. And in addition to being the founder of Yoga is Vegan, she's the co-founder of digital creative agency Real Pie Media. She's featured in yoga journals Stoke Your Spirit, 26 Images to Inspire Authenticity with renowned photographer Robert Sturman and UK's Goldie Magazine's piece on The I Am by Angelica Butner. Holly lives in Fairfield County, Connecticut with her husband, two daughters and two vegan dogs. Holly, welcome to the program. Thank you so much, Victoria. It's such a pleasure and honor to to be part of today. Well, it's a pleasure and honor to know that you're in the world. Now, I must say, when you came up with the concept, yoga is vegan, my very first thought was, well, people are going to say, no, it isn't. It's lacto-vegetarian. <laughs> so <laughs> tell us how Yoga Vegan was birthed and if you ever get that kind of response. You know, I'm, I'm actually surprised I haven't yet. I was expecting to, to come out with people saying, well, no, it's vegetarian. It's always been vegetarian. And it it came to me after, it came to me slowly. I started uh, my original time becoming uh, a yoga teacher. When I first started becoming a yoga teacher, I decided to become vegetarian because yoga is or was, in my mind, vegetarian. And so at the time I did, and as... As I learned more, I realized that the farming practices um, are not in alignment with ahimsa or non-harm, and that, in fact, today's, today's farming practices are not in alignment with 
vegetarian. So it, it can't be vegetarian. It has to be vegan. It's the only, it's the only way to not cause harm and to live with compassion as far as the animals are concerned. Uh, the, the actual idea of yoga is vegan came to me after, after having a extended teaching program with Dharma Mitra. That's where I did my advanced training. And we had to be vegan for the duration of the training, which lasted about six months. And I already was vegan, so that part was easy, but it was such a restrictive diet, and it was paired with spiritual teachings every day. And the interesting part was every morning for the first, I think it was the first month of homework, we were told to spend at least five minutes meditating or journaling on ahimsa, which is the first yama. And so this spiritual training started my day by thinking about kindness towards others. And that kind of led me on this trajectory that eventually led me to you. And through a process of, of meditation, which I, which I try to do daily, I was, I was just sitting and meditating, thinking about you know how, how to unite yoga and vegan. And just a little voice in my head said, Yoga is vegan. Look up, look up the domain name Yoga is Vegan. And lo and behold, there it was. Nobody took it. I thought it's perfect. And that's oh, that's I, yours. <laughs> domain name magic. Right. But tell right. Us, you said the diet was very restrictive, but that you were already vegan. So what did your training ask that you give up in addition to everything you'd already cut out? Well, it was... Um, I know. I, I, for me to think it was actually restrictive was kind of funny because I thought, what what could possibly be restrictive at this point? Um, and it was it was all spices, so no garlic, no onions, no no spices of any kind, no coffee, no alcohol, no sweets, no sugar, no processed foods. So instead of saying what we couldn't eat, I'll, I'll tell you what we could eat. Oh, good. <laughs> right? Yeah, we could eat sprouted almonds. That was, that was the only nut. Um, we could do vegetables that were steamed or lightly stir-fried. We could do fruits, grains, whole foods, um, sprouted legumes, a little bit of olive oil, and um, that was about it in the beginning, and some lemon water. And it's actually a lot when you start putting it together. And the fantastic thing that I learned was that my, my youngest daughter, who's, who's also vegan now, loves, loves food that isn't spiced. And all of a sudden, she's eating absolutely everything and loving it. Um, but but that, was, that was the idea, was to take away anything that would um, cause friction in the mind with the meditation. And that's why, that's why there was the restriction of the onions, the coffee, the sweets. Um, and the spices it was just yeah to give like a sattvic kind of presence in the body or a calm right and i'm sure some people listening to this feel very uncomfortable and i feel very uncomfortable (laughs) because i'm i'm very still tied to food you know i have uh, people who listen to the show knows that i walked away from my compulsive eating disease 35 years ago when i went vegan and yet I'm still very connected to the food that I do eat. And and now I have let some things go, maybe temporarily, maybe not, that I used to eat a lot of. And when I'm home, it's not a problem at all because the food is beautiful and abundant and everything is great. But when I go out, I'm feeling a kind of differentness from the world around me that I no longer feel being vegan, certainly not being vegan in New York City but, you know, you try to do some of these other little things for your health or your yoga or whatever, and you notice food is a big deal. It is. I, I honestly didn't know how I was going to, to cook for for the family for the first few months. I mean, just, just to be clear, I'm not eating that way anymore. But this was right. during it – was, it was for the – like the sadhana, for the spiritual training. It was a special diet to kind of reflect and to to learn all the teaching. And it, it really was is everything, everything that was going into your head 
the way that you were thinking, what you were consuming. It was, plus you had the asana practice and the meditation, but it really gave you this opportunity to think about exactly what you're putting in and what you're giving back out to the world. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. So ahimsa, you mentioned that word, and I think most of the listeners know ahimsa means non-harming, non-killing, fundamental uh, yogic tenant. So what do you do with that? How does ahimsa inspire you and, and impact your daily life? You know, it's, well, what do you do with it? Well, you can, first of all, with the food, it's very easy. So at least you're not causing, you're not causing pain or suffering and you're eating with compassion. I think for me, the hardest part is, is how do you relate to someone else when you're feeling selfish? Like making sure you walk the dogs, even if you'd rather do something else or, you know, a perfect example is my husband and I took the family to Disneyland and we went, we went to Disneyland and went to this restaurant. And the only place in Disneyland that they had a vegan burger was this restaurant where you had to sit down and we didn't have reservations. And it just, it really upset me. <laughs> and I got, I got a little edgy about it and I wasn't very polite. My husband said something after he said, you know, you should probably apologize. And I looked at him and said, you're absolutely right. So that's, that's how Ahimsa comes in. I came back and said, I'm sorry, you know, it's not your fault and I shouldn't have taken it out on you, but I was just so dumbfounded that, that the only opportunity to have that here is in a restaurant where you need reservations, like the restrictedness behind it. But so calling on this idea of ahimsa and how you how you treat and relate to others, I think, is probably how I have to focus on it the most. Mm. So tell us exactly what yoga is vegan is. So it's it's my passion project, and it's it's this concept where we shine the collective. We shine the light on Ahimsa and hopefully raise the collective consciousness in to veganism through yoga. And what I mean by this is there are so many, there's around 35 million people practicing yoga. And so if we can unite as yogis and show that part of the path of yoga beyond the poses is this idea of Ahimsa, then Maybe we can be an element that helps in, helps bring the tipping point of veganism into Main Street culture. So right now you've got a website, a blog, and amazing T-shirts. Are those for sale on the website? They are. Oh, they- goody. I love, you know, I teach a little yoga class in my building. It's just a community thing twice a week. And I wear that yoga is vegan T-shirt probably half the time or tank top is, is what I have. It's beautifully designed. And it also just has that little subtle message. And I'm just so grateful to have it. So everybody, if you want a really cool tank top, uh, check out yogaisvegan.com. Can I, can I tell you a little story, which was fun as far as, as sometimes we feel alienated as vegans, or at least I do where I live. I live in Connecticut and I was wearing my tank top to a local class. It was a workshop. And somebody came up to me and she goes, I like your t-shirt or my tank top. And I said, really? Thank you. I made it. And I ended up talking to her after. And what she loved was, she goes, I've always felt that way, but I feel like I'm on the outside. And so having the message on the back allows a non-confrontational way of kind of bringing people in. Yes, and the image on the front, that cow, that's an inspired image. Thank you. That was we, Go ahead. Well, to me, when the cow is truly sacred, we leave the milk for the baby cows. <laughs> and with all due respect to the wonderful uh, Hindu tradition, I just really believe that as we all grow and evolve, that um, that incredible country of India that has given us so much will um, become a leader in veganism as well. 
absolutely. I, I feel like one of my, one of my coaching students, I think we talked about this before on the side, but he was, he's a younger, younger man in his twenties and lives in America. His family is from India and his grandfather, he'd been going to India to practice yoga and learn how to meditate with his grandfather came back and approached me because he was brought up vegetarian and was stuck in his body, saw a blog post that where I was talking about ahimsa and dharma and the transition to being, being becoming vegan as opposed to plant-based. And so he started asking me about this. And we were talking about the farming practices in India, which was really interesting. And he said, well, on my farm, the cows aren't treated that way. But, but now I understand the way that cows are treated in commercial farming is very different. And I find it hopeful when he started trying a vegan diet and seeing how that worked in his body, but he felt a shift in his mind and in his heart. And I think if the younger generation can start to see that a little differently, then, then maybe we will start to see the sacred cow different in India as well. I believe it. I know that uh, Thomas Jackson, the filmmaker for um, A Prayer for Compassion, it's a film I'm working on with him. It used to be called The Compassion Project. Now it's A Prayer for Compassion. Uh, and he spent uh, quite a lot of time in, in India and just interviewed some of the most beautiful, dedicated, wonderful people, some of whom are vegan and some of whom are awakening to that you know just like we are all over you know we're we're all becoming as i learned on the bill Maher show last week more woke exactly <laughs> <turn> for me <laughs> so holly you write something really beautiful here it says yoga is vegan honors ahimsa and kindly reminds yogis to embrace compassion through choosing vegan together we can raise the collective consciousness and bring tranquility to the forefront so just in our last minute how would you suggest that a vegan yogi approach this topic at his or her yoga center well I think I, I think what I'm learning from this project is that you have to do it in the way that is true to yourself. And what I mean by this is the yogis, you know, the ones on our site, they share their stories. And the way that they have become vegan, their their identity, their story, then becomes inspiration. And touches another person individually. So it's it's by opening up your your approach to becoming vegan, or how how it changed your body by telling your own story and sharing that with others. That within that authenticity, you may connect to somebody else. Mm. And I, maybe that's why I'm so crazy about you, Holly Scotus, because you connect to your authenticity. So oh, thank you. Thank you so much for spending this time with us. Thank you for what you've created. Everybody do check Holly out. Yogaisvegan.com and Yoga is Vegan on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if I happen to see you somewhere in one of those cool tank tops, I'll know to come up and say, Hey, yoga's vegan. Thank you so much, Holly. Thank you, Victoria. It's a pleasure. Stay with us, everybody. We'll be back with gorgeously green Sophie Uliano. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit. 
Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ram Desh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul. The Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Yeah, well, I'll just get to echo that nice man and say welcome back. Special shout out to my New Englanders. I'll be speaking in Providence, Rhode Island on May the 5th and Wellesley, Massachusetts on May the 6th about living beautifully as a vegan. So if you're in that part of the world, please check out the events over at MainStreetVegan.net. It would be lovely to see you in all three dimensions. At the Wellesley event, I'll be joined with uh, Main Street Vegan coach and educator Diana Goldman of Beantown Kitchen. So she'll create a tasting menu from the Main Street Vegan Academy cookbook, and we can share ideas and information and eat great food. Mm, Life is made out of stuff like that. Life is also, for me anyway, made out of the great joy of doing this show and connecting with people that I've admired for a really long time. Now, one of these is Sophie Uliano, whom I kind of met, well, met via the TV, 10 years ago this week when her New York Times bestseller, Gorgeously Green, debuted on Oprah. And since then, Sophie has just been setting the world on fire in every good kind of way as a certified holistic nutritionist and wellness educator. She hosts wellness retreats around the world, including her upcoming Gorgeous for Good Weekend Wellness Intensive, June 9 and 10 in Los Angeles. Oh, Sophie, I'm so glad we're talking. I am so glad we're talking to you. I'm right back of you with the fangirl stuff. Seriously. Well, I'm, I'm happy that we have actually met in person since then, and I was very honored to do a Facebook Live with you last week. Lots and lots of fun. So I have a feeling we may be hanging out, even though there is a whole country in between us in the geographic way. Yeah, I think that doesn't really matter, does it? Somehow we're going to be meeting quite a, quite a lot along the way. I'm sure of that. I love that. So today, Sophie, I had your earlier books, but he didn't have your newer one, Gorgeous for Good, a simple 30-day program for lasting beauty inside and out. And I made it my mission to find a copy and was able to do that with the help of your lovely uh, publisher, Hay House. And I've been reading... This book is packed 
full of stuff. In <laughs> fact, I'm having your turmeric tea right now. Oh. Where, where you put a teaspoon of turmeric in some water, you boil it for 10 minutes, and then... You put a teaspoon of honey, and I used bee-free honey, and you slice some fresh ginger into your cup and pour that turmeric tea in there. Oh, my gosh. I just feel (laughs) anti-oxidated. I'm glad you're anti-oxidated. And you know what, Victoria, there's one missing element to that, uh, which you need to do just a little teeny pinch of black pepper in there as well. Throw that in then for your next cup because that makes the turmeric a little bit more bioavailable to your body. So remember to do that. Wonderful, wonderful idea. In fact, in the the powdered stuff that I have that's for making golden milk, they yeah. have the black pepper already in there. Yes, but sometimes exactly. I just don't want to wait and, you know, boil milk. I just want to do my fabulous British water boiler. Yes. <laughs> I have the tea in a second. Yes. So I know you have a huge community, and I love how you use that word. Your community is very important and very special to you, I I can tell. And I'm just so grateful that you're going to share some of your your wisdom with my listeners. So let's jump right into health and wellness, a.k.a. Sophie Uliano. You've got four foundational elements to any wellness routine. What are those? Yes, well, I, I like to think of having a, of all of us having a wellness bank account. So just as much as we have a financial bank account, and that's very important to us, and we feel secure and good when it's sort of in order and we get a bit freaked out when it's not, when it's in the red, um, I think that it's equally, if not much more important, that we conceptualize or think about having this wellness bank account. And I love this idea because what we can do is make deposits into our wellness bank account every single day. So it's about adding, not taking away. So I'm not a great one for believing in diets or these rigorous um, sort of fitness programs. For me, it's about just adding and depositing things into your life on a daily basis, which are going to greatly enhance your health and wellness. And so to that end, under the umbrella of my wellness bank account, I have four different wellness checking accounts. And I encourage um, everyone who I talk to to sort of um, have the same, um, to create the same wellness bank account. And number one is mindfulness or mindset. So that's the most important one that I, in my retreats and events, we spend quite a lot of time on sort of flipping your mindset. Number two is nutrition, which is my big passion, as you know, Victoria. Number three is fitness, which would be basically moving your body a lot in a very smart way. And number four is self-care. So every single day, Before I leave the house in the morning, I make at least one deposit into each of those checking accounts. And if I do nothing else for the rest of the day, it's one and done. And anything extra that I do goes into the sort of super saver account. It's just like extra added, you know, icing on the cake. So that's really, that's my concept of how I, how I approach wellness. Oh, that's perfect. And and I love the bank account analogy. We can all really see what that's doing. So if you had to bring that down for somebody who's saying, oh, my gosh, that's a lot, down to your number one indisputable piece of wellness advice, what's that going to be? Well, my, my indisputable piece of wellness advice would be to flip your mindset to I am healthy because the thing is I you know our thoughts create our, our our reality and I think a lot of people get afraid because they think you know I, I I've got this wrong with me and that wrong with me and I have you know autoimmune or I can't move or whatever it is and you know Victoria it, it, for me wellness isn't an absence of disease Wellness is a state of being, it's a state of mind. So I like to flip that every single morning and flip my mindset. And one of my 
first affirmations after I've done my little meditation is, you know, I'm healthy, I'm well, and I'm alive. So that would be, that would be the first thing. But I, but I will say that these four little deposits, Victoria, are a lot simpler than, than you might think. So I'm just going to give you an example of my four that my little one and done four before I leave the house. So number one is I'll do a little breathing and meditation, five minutes. Often that's all I have time. So that's deposit number one. Deposit number two is I'll have a beautiful plant-based smoothie in the morning full of all the good stuff that I recommend. That's my deposit in my nutrition. Number three uh, for fitness is I might do 35 kettlebell swings with my kettlebell weight. That takes me less than two minutes. Done. And then number four, the self-care, is I might just do do some dry skin brushing before I get in the shower, take the time to do that that morning. And you see that entire thing took me less than 30 minutes and I get on with my day and that's, you know, I've got, I'm sort of adding to that foundation of my wellness. That's how easy and simple it is. Oh, that's wonderful. And then you feel so much better about yourself and you want to do more. So much so, because the thing is, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Victoria, I don't feel like doing any of this. Honestly, I wake up in the morning and my default would be to wake up, you know, a little bit grumpy and reach for a cup of something caffeinated and certainly reach for my phone and maybe plug into Facebook or whatever. So for me to do these actions is actually doing something contrary to what I actually feel like doing. But the magic um, sort of trick is by doing it, by taking the action, sit on the meditation cushion. Oh, I'm here. May as well do five minutes breathing and meditation. And then it's done. Go into the kitchen. All the smoothie stuff is ready because I'm a great one for preparation. So it's all set out the night before done. I've had my smoothie. And then I feel so great after drinking all those beautiful nutrients that I don't, I wouldn't want to reach for a pastry or do you know what I mean? So you're right. You just do these things. It's easy. You set yourself up to succeed. And then you just, yeah, you're right, Victoria. You want to do more. Well, I think you might get some of this honestly, because I was reading in Gorgeous for Good, a little something about your dad. Yeah, oh, yes, you are so right. So my dad is 94 years old, as we speak. And he's, he's such an inspiration to me because he, he is, he works out, um, every day, no matter what. And he's really taught me this, this sort of ethic of, of you do things, you do these things for your health and wellness, no matter what, because you think long term. So my father taught me that many years ago, when he was 40, he looked ahead to how he wanted to be, should he stay alive in, you know, 30 years, 40 years, he looked at the big picture. And then he realized, you know, I want to have a sharp mind. I don't want to have degenerative diseases. I want to be strong in my body, et cetera, et cetera. And so then he realized that in order to, to have that and be that in that time ahead, he needed to take that daily action. And, and then he says to me now, because, you know, when I last saw him, he was just turning 94. And I said, Dad, you know, I had jet lag. I'd gone to England and, and I didn't feel like going to the gym or anything. And he took me to the gym and I said, oh, Dad, I can't. Oh, gosh. I said, and, and I said, how do you? He, and I said, how do you do it? And he said, if, good God. You know, he's very British. And he said, if I ever feel like doing this? He said, I feel dreadful. You know, before I do it, I never feel like doing it, but I barely well get on with it. And I feel fantastic afterwards. And so, yeah, my dad is a great inspiration uh, uh, to me for that. Oh, I wonder if some of that is in the water over there in the UK, because I reconnected a few years ago with my first yoga teacher, Stella Churfus. If anybody's interested in her, she's on one of the archival shows you can find in the Main Street Vegan podcast archives. So she is now, I believe she's still 93. She could be 94. She teaches two yoga classes and a couple of swim aerobics classes. And she lives in a fourth floor walk up in Covent Garden. Oh, I want that. I 
I want that. I mean, Victoria, this is this is on this. This is what I teach on all of my retreats. Is one of the first things that we do is I get everybody to look ahead. We don't look ahead quite that, you know, depending on how old you are. But we don't look sort of thirty years. But we look ten years ahead. And what I say to everybody, and would encourage everyone who's listening to, is you know, how do you want it to be? How do you want you to be? In ten years' time, and we do a lot of visualization and a lot of writing about that, really based on how do you want to feel, you know. And I know that I want to feel strong and alive and passionate and excited and all of those things. And 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 in order, when I start looking ahead and crafting those wellness goals, then I can start really understanding and realizing that I need to start putting in those actions today because what I do today, the steps I take today. Is absolutely going to take me toward that goal and create, sort of, pave the way for that for that beautiful,、um, you know, vision that I'm creating.、Mm, I would love to be in one of your retreats. I know you're doing one in LA coming up in June. For those people who can attend that, what are they going to get? Oh well, this is this is a wellness intensive, so it's two days. It's over a weekend, and I wanted to craft something over a weekend so that everybody could come. They didn't have to take any time off work, and it's in a beautiful hotel called the Line Hotel. Very trendy, hip, but beautiful hotel,、uh, very near to where I live, actually. And、um, over the course of, of two days, you're going to pretty much. My intention is that I want to sort of reset. Everyone's wellness. It's a wellness reset. So I think many of us have got to a sort of place where we just feel a little less. Oh, sorry, just there's things not quite right, and that might be that you might. Feel that your hormones are imbalanced. You haven't quite got the energy that you used to. You might want to transition to a plant-based diet, but you're, you know, it's a little tricky. You're not sure exactly how to do that. So what I've done, Victoria, is found teachers who I I wish you were coming and teaching, Victoria, next next time. time. <laughs> Retreat goal.、Um, but so what I've done is I've got teachers who speak to all these different.、Um, Sort of categories of wellness that I feel is what I want to give everyone. So you walk out at the end of the weekend, and you'll have the tools and the knowledge of how to balance your hormones, of how to easily transition, and the importance. As、uh, you know, I'm a nutritionist,、um, Victorian. As you know, I'm absolutely passionate about a whole food, plant based diet. So you know, really teaching people, giving them the tools and the inspiration to to go for that 100. percent Um, how to mind? How to create a home mindful meditation practice? Because I think many people want to do that, but but they 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 want to learn how. So I have a beautiful meditation teacher coming, and then I have different experts for different modalities, like people who have autoimmune disease or they're struggling with certain health issues. And more than anything, aside from that, it's a Big. All of my events end up being sort of firecracker wellness warriors. It becomes、mm-hmm. a tribe of women, and we just we feed off each other's energy. And every single time, it's just I want to send you on your way, just full of promise and and and、um, just believing in the field of infinite possibilities for you that you can and you will. So that's that's if nothing else, you get back on the plane or get back in your car, and you're just you're reset, reset, reset. I love it, and they can find out about that at sophieuliano dot com, and that's U L I A N O, just one L,、um, and, and yeah. And- Sorry, the, probably the easiest way is to go to my Facebook page,、okay. which is, is just Facebook dot com、um, forward slash gorgeously green because that's so easy.、Green. We'll do that now. Since、yeah. since you brought up the G word, well, actually two G words. I think we're good with green, but you know, gorgeous runs into some trouble these days with political <laughs> correctness.、Yeah. So I'm going to be devil's advocate here and say. Why are you talking about gorgeous? Not all of us are gorgeous. Oh, I love this question. So, you're so right. And the thing is, the way that I see gorgeous is that I think that 
we can, many of us don't feel gorgeous. We just, for one reason and another, a lot of women who come to my retreats or come to me or even me a lot of mornings, you wake up and you're like, oh, I don't feel sort of gorgeous. So when I was writing, um, crafting my book, Gorgeous for Good, I thought to myself, Victoria, you know, what are, what are the characteristics that make, for me, that make a woman truly gorgeous? And I, I, I sort of really spent some weeks ruminating on this, and I came up with five or so characteristics. And, and this came from, I thought about the women in my life who I think are gorgeous, and I mean really gorgeous women. And these women, Victoria, are all over the age of 60, all of them. All of the women who I look at in my life, either who I know personally or I know of, are over the age of 60. And the characteristics for me are a woman who has passion and purpose in her life, a woman who is authentic, a woman who has a great sense of humor, a woman who is kind, and more than anything, the biggest, biggest overall thing for me was a woman who is authentic, who is true to herself, who's not afraid to show who she is, warts and all, all her vulnerabilities. And these are the women who, who as I say, are, are sort of older women in my life who shine that torch for me, who have that light shining in their eye, maybe like the lady you talked about in England. There's another yoga teacher who you might have heard of, called Tao Poshan, who is 90, I think she's 98, and she still teaches yoga. And to me, she is another one of these women who has all of those characteristics. So that's what I really focus on whenever I talk about the word gorgeous. It's not about having the right highlights in your hair or the, you know, cute Instagram airbrush shot. It's about having you know, it's about having that heart and that soul and that courage to be completely authentic. And you, my dear, you, Victoria, you are a truly gorgeous woman. And I saw that in you um, when I first saw you. And then I listened to your podcast that I'm a complete devotee on. And I recommend everybody who I meet to listen to your podcast. But honestly, your authenticity shines through in your podcast because you're so authentic and humble and positive and inspirational so you are a gorgeous woman so that's what I mean by gorgeousness well you are very kind and thank you I will do my very best to live up to as much of that as I can envision now we've talked about the elders that we admire but I know you have a daughter I have a daughter and when you first said this is what I see as gorgeous my daughter popped into my mind with all of her commitment, her, her deep love, her vulnerability, her incredible fitness. So tell us about your daughter. What makes her gorgeous? You know, what makes my daughter gorgeous is that she has, and it almost makes me want to cry when I talk about it, because she, I've just seen her blossom. She's 16 now, and she has this very big, open, compassionate heart. She is one of the most empathetic people. She has, she's, she's sort of an almost an old soul. She teaches me and her heart is wide open for people and beings and animals, for any being that doesn't have a voice, that can't speak. That's what she said. And she said, mom, I want to devote my life to helping um, beings that don't have a voice, that can't speak up for themselves. And so she's devoting her life to animal, really to animal rights, animal welfare. And despite the fact that she is not the most academically um, blessed, she's not a 4.0 student and she definitely struggles at school, which is why I admire her even more. She is um, absolutely bent on becoming a veterinarian because she knows that that's the way that she can help people and she not only wants to be a veterinarian, but she wants to have a practice where she can help people who can't afford veterinary bills because she works, she interns in a vet now, and it breaks her heart to see the people who come to the vet with their beloved animals, and they get handed these huge bills. 
and it breaks our heart. So that's our life purpose is is making um, veterinary care affordable for absolutely everybody. And that, Victoria, is what makes my daughter gorgeous. Oh, my goodness. She sounds like the most amazing young woman. And I remember now that I had told you that I wanted to connect your daughter with Dr. Armighty May, who is a vegan veterinarian in Southern California. So now that I've thought of it twice, I'll actually remember it. So so self-care, that's one of your four points. And that term gets bandied about quite a bit. What is it really? What do we need to do with it in our lives? So for me, self-care isn't so much a sheet mask and a a serum, uh, although it can be, or a nice yoga class or whatever. But, you know, on a deeper level, and this is what I get a little bit more into in my retreat, self-care is care for my soul. So, you know, I, in this modern day life, when we're rushing around and all of us working so hard and we, you know, doing what we all do, I think that sort of care of my soul, that self-care can sometimes take a, a back seat. And, and I'm not willing to let it, which is why it is one of those deposits in my bank account. So for me, it might be, you know, what am I, what am I doing to care for my soul? You know, am I giving myself time to read books that I really love reading that aren't necessarily business books, you know, beautiful novels? You know, am I out in my garden, you know, tending, literally digging up plants and weeding and stuff, because that's very soul healing for me. Am I giving myself time to heal and care for my soul? And what is that? What is? Because what's caring for my soul would be very different to somebody else. And, And so really figuring out what that is. Um, how can I nourish my soul? How can I uh, care for my soul? So that, for me, really is self-care. Um, and sometimes it's what I do in my work, as I'm sure it is for you, Victoria. You know, I'm lucky enough to do a job which does in some ways feed my soul. But I have to think of things outside work as well. And, you know, sometimes it's just a lot of it is time. You know, it's carving out time to spend uh, with my husband going for, you know, a beautiful hike. It, it's it's different things, but that's what real true self-care is for me. I love it. Now, your book, this latest book, and I know a Gorgeously Green too, you have a lot of very practical techniques, things to do. So in some of the more self-care that's not so deep area, what are some of your favorite, your favorite just kind of girl things to do? Okay, so if we go to switch now to a completely practical point of view, Gorgeous for Good is packed with skincare. And so what I wanted to do in writing that book is I get through what I do, a huge part of what I do, and I've just sort of almost fallen into this, is reviewing and talking about green and, and natural and beautiful and organic skincare and hair care and body care. So I thought, okay, it's time to write a a whole book about this and to really, really dig in deep because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there and there's a lot of scaremongering with, oh, you shouldn't use this. It's going to give you cancer or you can't use that. And a lot of it isn't entirely true. So in the book, I really tease that out and I give you really practical tips and information to Truly, what are the exact ingredients that you really need to avoid? And are there any, indeed, that are truly carcinogenic, um, known carcinogens? And, um, you know, what to look for in a skincare ingredient? And I really go into it, and I love to, I'm a bit of a sort of uh, research nerd, and so I show you how how to read a skincare label, um, a label in a, on a bottle, and show you all the sort of insider tricks, like, you know, the last third of the label has only X amount of the ingredients in it, and what's the fairy dusting that they throw these little sort of keyword buzz ingredients in. So there's a lot of information in that. So I don't even know where to start with the practical tips. Um, uh, Victoria, you would have to ask me, fire me a, a, a targeted skincare question and I will answer it for you because I literally cover the gamut from vitamin C serums to hair care to do we need to use retinol and if so is there a safe one so it's sort of a lot of practical stuff in that book Mm. well let's start with serums 
Do okay. we need them? Do we need the expensive ones? How can we tell which one is going to actually do something and which isn't? All right. So, yes, I would say we do need serums. This is my mum said to me in England, very practical mum. She was like, darling, do we really need a serum and a moisturizer? <laughs> Hoping she could sort of catch me out that I'd go, well, not really. But actually, I would say, yes, you do. Because the thing is, a serum is what it does. And you'll know this, Victoria, when you put a serum on your skin, your skin sort of gobbles it up immediately. It, your skin absorbs it. Generally, it's not a, a, an oil or a lotion. And it's, it contains something like a vitamin C or a targeted ingredient. So I would say absolutely do use a serum and then you will need a moisturizer on top of it because your skin will not be uh, moisturized enough. Now, with serums, one of the serums that I would say every single listener should, I'm actually going to use the word should here, um, use would be a vitamin C serum. And that isn't vitamin C from oranges. That is vitamin C from L-ascorbic acid. Now, one of the things that I say in the book is don't get caught up with words such as quote unquote natural. And I don't use anything things synthetic because you're going to throw out a lot of ingredients that is, that are safe for your skin and that your skin really needs. So a case in point is l ascorbic acid, which is a synthetic ingredient, but it's scientifically been proven one of the very few ingredients to actually help your skin. It'll mitigate past sun damage. It protects your skin against future UV damage, and it helps to build collagen. So one of the, as I say again, one of the very few ingredients that actually has the scientific evidence behind it. So Yes, you can look for a plethora of different serums. You do not need to go for a crazy expensive one. In fact, Victoria, you can make your own for pennies. Would you like to, for me to, have I got time to tell you how right now? Yes, yes you do. <laughs> okay. So you go, you need to find an L-ascorbic acid powder. Um, so for your listeners, you can go to a website called makingcosmetics.com. All the information is in my book. I also have a YouTube channel called Gorgeously Green. And there are a lot of videos on making your own DIY serums. So do if you if you can't remember the things that I'm giving you, you can just go to Gorgeously Green on YouTube. So you get your powder and you need, you can't get vitamin C powder from a health food store, my friends, because it won't dissolve. It needs to be an ellascorpic acid powder that's water soluble. So this website, makingcosmetics.com, sells one. I think it's about $7 for a huge, great jar of it. And then just get yourself a little glass bottle, a dropper bottle would be best. And you're going to put about quarter to half a teaspoon of this powder into the bottle, Victoria. You mix it either with a little bit of filtered water or some aloe vera juice or aloe vera gel. Just mix it, shake it up, and you put that straight on your skin. And I am telling you that is probably more potent and more effective than most products that you could buy at the store, and it costs you pennies. And the reason is, is because um, like most ingredients, they degrade with time. So sitting in a bottle on a store shelf, they're going to degrade. They're not going to be as effective. So if you're making it yourself, and this is one of the few things that I actually would make myself, you get that L-ascorbic acid, which again is unstable. It will degrade over time, but you're getting it fresh on your skin straight away, bottle to skin. And I recommend you just make a tiny bit of that serum and remake it because it's so easy. Do it two or three times a week. Done and done. Ah, so it's super fresh, just like our food. Absolutely. It's the same. Skincare is the same as food. And that's why when you're looking for your skincare brands, you have to do a little bit of research and try and go with a brand that really does make sort of fresh batches or they have a very good preservative system in place. There's a sort of lot of elements that come into finding a skincare brand that really is going to be efficacious, that it's going to do what you need it to do in terms of anti-aging, because as much as we can believe you know, we, I talked about the, the characteristics of a truly beautiful woman. I'm also not averse to a little bit of a sort of anti-aging protocol, Victoria, got to say. Well, we're going to be around a long time. We need to preserve ourselves. Exactly. Victoria, you're right. We're thinking way ahead. We've got our 10-year plan, our 30-year plan, and yes, we do. 
Oh, Sophie, you, you are utterly, utterly delightful. I could listen to you forever. I could sit at your feet and learn from you. Oh, so nice. just in, in our last minute, detox. Some people love it. Some people say, ooh, take that word away. Give us a minute on detox. Okay, I don't love the word detox only because I think it's sometimes used so much in marketing. You know, detox powders, detox cleanses, juice detoxes and all the rest of it. And the way that I feel is I'm not a great supplement pusher either. So I feel that we have this beautiful God given body that does a beautiful job of detoxification. We have a liver, we have a lymphatic system. And if we put the right foods in our body, which the only way it to go is a whole food plant-based diet, then you will support those organs of elimination and detoxification perfectly. So that's why I'm a little wary of the sort of whole detox quote unquote um, stuff that everybody banding around it's like your body knows what it's doing it's it's perfect just support it now and i that's it (laughs) i love that back in the olden days um the american natural hygiene society was out there carrying the banner of natural health before there was much else and they would always say the body is a self-healing mechanism when given the needs of life and otherwise left alone (laughs) Yes. Oh, Sophie Uliano, bless your heart. And everybody, please, if you don't know this woman yet, get to know her or get to know her better. Uh, check out her Facebook page, Sophie Uliano. Find her all over. The latest book is Gorgeous for Good. Also, check out Holly Scotus and Yoga is Vegan. Thanks to Unity Online Radio for broadcasting this program. And thanks to all of you for listening. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Right here on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world. Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Reverend Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Confucius said that to be wronged is nothing unless you continue to remember it. If we can let our past remain in the past, we are not compelled to endlessly reenact it. 
If we seek to understand the situations in the other person's life and put forth the effort to walk a mile in his shoes, we may be less quick to take offense at what may be directed toward us. Understand that forgiving does not mean excusing. But dwelling on past slights or offenses can never help us grow. Unforgiveness always diminishes us. An African proverb says, The one who forgives ends the quarrel. You can be a powerful agent for healing. Let go of old hurts. Let the past be the past. Forgive. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together.